Well, what we're going to do is look at the fourth chapter of Genesis. And um, I'd like to just spend a few minutes with a quick overview of the first three before we look at the fourth one in a little more depth. And um, so let's pray. Lord, as always, we, uh, we ask you to, to open the scriptures to us so that we might see things that uh, delight us in you, Lord, so that we might have a better understanding of who you are and what you've done. And the things, Lord, that we haven't seen in the past, I pray that you would reveal to us. And anything that we think that's an error, Lord, you would correct us. So I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would guide us through your word to your glory. Amen. All right. In the first chapter of Genesis, we saw that God created the heavens and the earth from nothing. The Latin is ex nihilo. And um, scripture uses the words heaven and earth for our word universe. And they do that because in Hebrew, there is no word for universe. So heavens and earth means universe. And we know that God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing because only God is eternal. John 1.3 says, all things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And Hebrews 11.3 reads, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So God is eternal and nothing else is. Chapter one continues explaining that God created everything in six days culminating in man whom he blessed and gave the mandate to be fruitful and to multiply to fill the earth and to have dominion over it. In the second chapter of Genesis, we're told that God rested on the seventh day, meaning he ceased from his creating activity. And then the chapter focuses on what was the broad stroke of chapter one. Chapter one tells us God created man in his own image, but chapter two gives us the details it says, God formed man from the ground and then did for man what he did for no other creature. He breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living being. It does not say a living being became man because man is not formed from pre-existing life. Man is different from animals by bearing the image of God. You don't see God breathing into any other creature, just man. And the second chapter continues with the introduction of the Garden of Eden and God placing the man there to keep it and cultivate it. And God gave Adam the command not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the warning was, the day you eat of it, you'll die. 
And seeing that it was not good for man to be alone, God took one of Adam's ribs and fashioned woman. And scripture says, fit for him. And this expression implies a complementary relationship. What he lacked, she supplied, and what she lacks, he supplies. Both share the image of God. And verse 24 reads, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. At marriage, your priorities change. Obligations to your wife take precedence. And it says, and they were naked and were not ashamed. And this is an image of openness and trust. And it disappears after the fall. Chapter three introduces something that's not good. A serpent who's the incarnation of Satan. And he speaks to the woman and he twists the words of God concerning his command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He denies God's goodness. And Eve replies on what her senses tell her. And her senses tell her that the tree was good for food, a delight to the eyes, and desirable for wisdom. And she eats, and so does Adam. And the result was that their eyes were open, and their eyes brought them shame. And with an awareness of guilt and a loss of innocence, their nakedness brought them shame. And they attempted to hide from God. Loss of innocence brings shame, and it brings temptation, with the result being that God clothed them. And he did that to protect their vulnerability by the barrier of clothing to prevent shame and temptation. The Lord confronts the man and the man blames the woman. Sounds reasonable. But that's not the way it is supposed to be. And then God asked the woman why she's done or what she has done, and she blames the serpent. And God confronts the serpent and curses it. Now it's gonna crawl on the ground all of its days and eat dust. And God will put enmity between the serpent and the woman. And what this means is that there will no longer be an attraction to the serpent, Satan, but a hatred. And this hatred is also going to be between the offspring of the serpent and the offspring of the woman. And what does that mean? It means those who serve themselves and those who serve God. And the verse says, Satan's seed will be bruised on the head and her seed, the woman's seed, will be bruised on the heel. This is an indication of the struggle and the affliction and the suffering that's going to take place to win the battle over the serpent. And it points ultimately to Jesus as the new Adam, who is the only one that can win the victory. And the chapter continues with the judgment, both against Adam and Eve. Pain in childbirth, 
and conflict and hard labor against a rebellious ground that's going to fight against the man with thorns and thistles and ultimately death. And for now, there's expulsion from the garden so that they're unable to eat from the tree of life. So a quick synopsis of the first three chapters, and then we get to chapter four. And the first five verses in chapter four read, now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain a, a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard to Abel and his offering, but to Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. So you get problems that begin to emerge in the very first verse. Eve seems for many commentators to be saying, I have done this, the Lord, since the words with the help of don't appear in the original Hebrew. So a lot of people think Eve believes that she's given birth to the deliverer that God promised in the previous chapter, the one that's going to defeat the serpent. And she names the child Cain, meaning acquire or possess. Abel's name is not explained in scripture, in this verse anyway, but it means vapor or breath. And that seems to be an appropriate name for Abel because of the shortness of his life. He doesn't live very long, so breath or vapor seems very appropriate. And in spite of the fall, men are still to carry on the command of the Lord to manage the earth's resources. Abel the shepherd, Cain the farmer. So Cain brings an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. Now, it doesn't really seem very appealing to us to talk about the fat portions being a thing to bring to the Lord. But over and over in the Old Testament, the fat offerings were considered the choicest portions of the animal. And so it's that way it's considered here, too. And it says, and God had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. So the question is, why was one offering accepted and the other one rejected? And there have been two main views on this for as long as I, I can read and remember. And then there have been a few others that really don't have a whole lot of appeal. They don't seem to be very plausible. One view that's believed by reputable scholars is that Abel's offering was a blood offering 
and Cain's offering was bloodless. They see the first blood that was, was shed by God when he killed an animal, it had to be, to provide clothing, skins for Adam and Eve. Instead of the fig leaves, they were merry. They were uh, clothing themselves with after they sinned. And then on top of that, you see the numerous offerings in the Old Testament that required blood. It was a constant. And then Hebrews 9.22 says, according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The other main view, again, by reputable scholars, and again, uh, that, it, and that again and again in scripture, God makes it clear that he does not accept offerings that are given as part of a ritual where the heart is hard and not inclined to him. In Jeremiah 6, the people are told their burnt offerings are not acceptable and their sacrifices are not pleasing to God. Why? Because they've not listened to his words and they've rejected his law. In other words, their heart was far from the Lord. In the first chapter of Isaiah, the Lord says, I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. And I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. And the rest of the chapter is about the wickedness of the people. So the sacrifice means nothing to God because their heart is far from him. And Cain fits right into this description because everything you read about Cain shows his disdain for God and God's commands. So the word also is trans that's uh, translating offering in these verses is the common Hebrew word for tribute, which is normally used in the law of Moses for the grain offering, the cereal offering. Leviticus 2 specifically concerns the grain offering. And the last verse in that chapter says, it is a food offering to the Lord. And there's no blood in this offering. The problem with Cain's sacrifice was that his heart was not in the offering. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions, giving the very best to God and trusting that the Lord would provide other sheep to meet his needs. Cain, though, treated worship as an afterthought. His heart was not in the offering, as his actions and his words toward God and Abel indicated. 1 John 3, 11 and 12 reads, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. The way in which we worship the Lord makes a difference. It matters, it ultimately matters, and it matters to God. And it's not the proper form alone that's pleasing. It's also worship that issues from a wholehearted devotion to him. God's not happy with worship that just goes through the motions. 
empty-hearted worship means nothing to the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Hebrews 12, 28b says, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Acceptable worship is with reverence and awe. It's not, oh, well, big deal, one song, one minute. That's not an acceptable worship. And worship, we may say all the right things, but if our hearts are not in it, the Lord is displeased with our offering of praise. And our hearts may be fully into worshiping God, but if we entertain falsehood in our worship or praise him in a manner contrary to his word, contrary to scripture, we displease him. One of the most enthusiastic worship services in history was the worship of the golden calf. And we know how that ended in disaster but they were dancing with all their might before the golden calf and they claim this is a representation of god so they were worshiping god but they were worshiping god in a manner that was prescribed as an abomination in other words make an image and say this image represents god it's not acceptable Verses six through nine. It says, then, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you but you must ma master it. Cain told, Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain came up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? God warns Cain about the coldness of his heart. Why are you angry? What is your reason? So God often asks questions, not because he doesn't already know the answer, but so that a person will examine himself and repent. The Lord wants Cain to soften his heart turn from his anger and repent of his sin. Satan is like a, a wild animal crouching at the door, waiting for an opportunity to engulf you. And he's gonna use unrepentant sin to master you. Sadly, Cain ignores God's warning and it leads to the premeditated murder of Abel in verse 8. Making things even worse, if that's possible, Cain lies to God. Again, verse 9 says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. 
am I my brother's keeper? So not only does Cain lie, but his arrogance, his disdain for God shows itself in his response. God's question to Cain mirrors his question to Adam in 3.9, where God asked Adam when Adam was hiding from him, where are you? Again, God knows it, but he wants Adam to confess his sin. And like his father, Cain responds with a lie and defensiveness. Verses 10 through 16 <clears throat> read, he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground and from your face. I will be hidden and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain that no one finding him would slay him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And these verses, what you see is God's judgment on Cain that he would be an outcast wanderer. And God's outrage is apparent. And when he says, what have you done? I mean, it's an exclamation. It's um, very apparent that it's not just a calm question. Leviticus 17, 11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And now Abel's innocent blood is defiling the ground. This is the first time a man has been cursed. In chapter three, the serpent was cursed and God said the ground was cursed because of Adam's sin, but Adam and Eve were not cursed, but Cain is now. Now Cain's cursed and the ground won't be fertile to him. And his response is one of self-pity. There's no mention of his brother that he murdered and there's no concern about his offense to God, but only his concern for himself. He fears what man's gonna do to him, but not what the God who created him will do to him. So reminiscence of today, where we're afraid of, afraid of people, but not God. We don't know what kind of sign that God put on Cain to protect him, whatever it was, Guarantee him, guaranteed him safe protection in his travels. And again, God shows his mercy to Cain. It's ironic that the murderer is afraid that he's going to be murdered. It says, and Cain settled in the land of Nod. And fittingly, the word Nod means 
wandering. Those, according to Matthew Henry in his commentary, he makes the statement, those who depart from God cannot find rest anywhere else. And if we look at verses 17 through 24, it says, Cain had relations with his wife and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city Enoch after the name of his son. Now to Enoch was born Arad and Arad became the father of Mahujael and Mahujael became the father of Methusael and Methusael became the father of Lamech. Lamech took to himself two wives. The name of one was Ada and the other was Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal, who was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. As for Zillah, she also gave birth to Jubal Cain, the forger of all implements of bronze and iron, and the sister of Jubal Cain was Namah. This is Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. So what we've got here, got the genealogy of Cain and the accomplishments of his descendants. We see the building of cities and the developing of shepherding and music and tools, forging. Many things are happening that are good when God is the center and focus, but end up empty when he's excluded. And that's what you see happening here. There's no mention of God anywhere in the descendants of Cain. Cain's line degenerates more and more. And then we look at Lamech. The very fact that Cain builds a city shows his continuing disregard for God. God had decreed that he would be a wanderer. But in his wandering, God would protect him. And now, however, what you see is that he ceases his wandering and he seeks protection in a city that he builds. The question always comes up, where did, Wayne, where did uh, Cain find his wife? And the answer is obvious. He married his sister or he married a niece. Now, that sounds crazy to us, but the prohibition against marrying within the family was almost 2000 years from this point in time. And at this time, the gene pool had not been corrupted the way it is today. It's been estimated that by the time Adam died and he lived to be 930 years old, by the time he died, there were more than a million people alive.
when we reached the seventh generation, counting Cain, we see how violent and corrupt the ungodly had become. Lamech has two wives and represents the progressive hardening of sin. Polygamy is a rejection of God's marital plan, and violence is carried to an extreme with Lamech. And Lamech sings a song about, a wonderful song. It's about polygamy, murder, and revenge. He sees violence as a badge of honor. 77 times represents unlimited violence. And it stands in utter contrast to the teaching of Jesus on forgiveness. Jesus, when Jesus was asked by Peter, how many times should I forgive? Jesus says 70 times seven, which means unlimited times. And Lamech says 70 times seven, I will take care of revenge on anybody that wounds me, hurts me in any way. So these are the descendants of Cain. Verses 24 and 25 read, excuse me, 25 and 20, 26 is what I mean to say. Adam had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth, to him also, a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Now the story flashes back to the, to the birth of Seth, the godly seed. Seth means appointed, and Eve's language indicates that she has faith that God would continue the covenant family in spite of the death of Abel. Call on the name of the Lord. Call means to proclaim, and here it means testifying about God to each other. So the godly line of Seth calls on the name of the Lord. They testify, they give witness to God. There can't be any more contrast between the ungodly line of gain, of Cain and the godly line of Seth than the look at the progression. The seventh from Adam through Cain ends with the ungodly life of vile Lamech. The seventh from Adam through Seth is Enoch. Concerning Enoch, Genesis 5, 22 and 24 says, then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So that's the seventh through Seth, contrasted with the seventh from Cain. The seventh from Cain is a man of violence and hatred, 
the seventh from Enoch, I mean from Seth, is Enoch. And Enoch never died. Only two people in scripture never died. Enoch is one and Elijah is another. They never experienced physical death. So what a contrast. And from Seth come all the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the nation of Israel, and eventually Jesus the Christ. And he's the one that destroys the devil, sin, and death. So I think it behooves us to see what happens as we walk down the path of sin or righteousness. That God's in it from beginning to end. And he calls on us, you know, what have you done? To acknowledge what we've done, to have our eyes open, to not pretend and to not to blame somebody else. But to call on the name of the Lord and to repent because God constantly calls us to repent, to turn back to him. Over and over, he calls Cain. What have you done? And then even when Cain rejects God, God still protects him with the idea of, are you going to finally listen or not? So what do we do? Do we listen or do we go our own way? Do we listen to the voice of God or do we listen to the voice of the one crouching at the door waiting to devour us, which is Satan, of course. So let's examine ourselves and see where we are and how we're going to respond to what God tells them and to what God tells us. Let's pray. Lord, give us a heart that longs for you. Give us a heart that um, sees righteousness and all of its wonder and glory and beauty and sees sin for all its wickedness and darkness and evil. Lord, we want to be more like Jesus. So we pray this day that um, you would enlighten us, Lord, and just give us words and thoughts and deeds that honor and give glory to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Greg. <clears throat> I guess. Sorry. I said, "Good job, Dad." Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> I guess all of the 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 family of Lamech perished in the flood, correct? Yeah. Because only Noah, and I, you would think that Noah's daughter-in-laws came from the line of Seth. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've been asked many questions in Crosswave about, you know, why doesn't God just deal with sin? And why do we still have to face this? And I said, well, you know, he did once. And what happened? Everybody but eight people died. Um, so if you be really want... Be very careful what you ask God to do. <laughs> if you really want true justice from God, you got to be prepared to be on the receiving end of, uh, of justice. And... Um, what we really want from God is mercy. Um, yeah, highlighting those two lines of uh, of Adam is re is real eye opener. 
especially the comparison between Enoch and Lamech after the seventh generation. Any other thoughts concerning Greg's message? Um, you know, God is faithfully working out his plan through the years and through the ages. Bill, Greg, I think one thing, it just re-highlights how merciful God is. Um, that he would mark Cain, and yet he's, he's continued held out hope for him. Uh, even though he knows the end, he, he it seems like he extends mercy and mercy, uh, even to the end. And, you know, Cain never responded. You know, he, like you said, he, he was supposed to wander, and he ended up defying that and building cities. It's just a stark reminder of how when you go your own way, if you don't respond to God's promptings and his questions, um, he will just let you go. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Well, I do have another song um, that we could sing together. I'm going to get set it up here. heaven opened 
God love my God so gracious and extreme was strong enough to come and fight for me to go through hell and down into the grave you raised me up to see you face to face you raised me up to see you face to face oh your love my god like a flood as heaven opened up pouring out on us oh praise the king who came into the world like in love like a mighty flood oh your love my god like a flood as heaven opened up pouring out on us oh praise the king who came into Lord, from the very beginning, even before the beginning, you knew the plan to call a people unto yourself and you created the people and the people rejected you and fell away. And yet, Lord, you had promised to have a people. And yet, Lord, they had rejected you and they were, they were found guilty of rebellion. and The sentence was death. And yet, Lord, you wanted a, not a dead people, you wanted a living people. And through the course of history, Lord, through, through men and women and families and generations after generations, Lord, you have provided, you have walked through, Lord, to bring us to this point today, through all of our ancestors and all of those who preceded us, Lord, some faithful to you and some unfaithful. But Lord, you've chosen to reveal yourself to us Lord, that we might rejoice in your presence. That we might know, Lord, that, that, that you are our God and that we belong to you. And that we might live for you, Father. Lord, may we strive to walk as our, our ancestor by faith and even truly our blood ancestor, Enoch. Lord, we've come from him. Lord, let us walk with, with you. Please, Lord, let us walk with you. Protect us from that sin that crouches at the door, ready to spring upon us. Give us strength, Lord God, to resist. And let us, Lord, find a, that explosive joy of knowing you so that sin loses its attraction and we begin, begin to see sin for it truly, what it truly is. Lord, we just thank you for your presence here with us. Even we're in various places and various states. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your, your great love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Mary, anything that you would like to share? I do. I have, some, I have some announcements. Okay. Uh, today is Nemia's birthday, and uh, Nemia's in Panama. I'm sure they're celebrating today. And yesterday was Phoebe's mother's birthday, and Phoebe's mom is here from Taiwan. Isn't that right, Phoebe? <coughs> Uh, yeah, she, uh, yeah, she's in Taiwan, and uh, her birthday is 26. Oh, the, the same as the drive. Yeah. Oh, same as drive. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. October 25th, the same as drive. So it's two weeks Okay, but Phoebe's mom is here with them. Uh, yeah, it's in Taiwan. She's in Taiwan. Thank you. Well, today is Nemia's birthday. There you go. And uh, Friday is Camille's birthday. Then Saturday, Anastasia is going to be celebrating a birthday. Whoa. And That's Anastasia, nice. you want to tell everybody what number your birthday is? <laughs> 31. 31. 31. All right. Is that crazy or what, guys? You've known me for almost 20 years. I'm turning <laughs> 31. That's crazy. Wow. Well, Anastasia, I was thinking that you probably would like all of us to sing you happy birthday. So, now? So, well, unmute. We everybody has to unmute. Everybody <laughs> unmute. <laughs> okay. Get this ready. This will be a highlight of your 31st birthday. <laughs> That's right. You won't ever have any kind of birthday song like this. Everybody, <laughs> you got to unmute everybody. A few more, let either unmute. You ready, Mary? Why don't you kick us off? Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy Anastasia's birthday is we think that um, Crosswave is going to get to work at the NC State Duke football game, but we only get to have 10 total workers to work two different booths. <laughs> <laughs> so Anastasia will be celebrating in an unusual way at the NC State football stadium. <laughs> Your birthday. No. <laughs> this is news to me. <laughs> no, you don't have to come work, um, but, but some of us will be there. Um, we, have, we have another announcement. Eva, I think, who's on the call with us. Eva is going to be coming to North Carolina, and Eva, you want to tell everybody when you're coming? Hi, everyone. Um, that will be almost exactly one month. 10, 10 November. Okay. Yes, and so Eva will be here from November 10th till November 17th. So um, 
we're happy about that. She's going to come and participate in the worship porch project and the renovation of the room that's changed. She's going to come and help paint and she wanted to be part of that. And again, I will remind you all, if you would like to be part of that and have a scripture on the rafters of the worship porch, I need you to text them to me. It'd be good this afternoon because I'm going to get up with my Sharpie and continue writing some scriptures up there. So Eva's going to be part of that. And if, if y'all want to be part of that, just text, text me some scriptures. Um, there are, we, we need to remember uh, to continue praying for Inez, Cecil's mother-in-law, for Randy's foot and Galena's ticket. But we also um, had two other prayer needs called in. Rita Wood, who sometimes joins us on Zoom, but has been involved with the internationals. She's having surgery tomorrow, a melanoma taken off of her leg. And this is like the second or third one. So um, that's of concern. And last night, a lady named Susie, who's involved with internationals, her husband's in really bad shape at Forsyth Hospital in Winston. And she said, please continue praying for my husband, Bobby. Um, so I think uh, in addition to that Wednesday night prayer meeting, but if y'all would, would pray for those needs between now and then. Okay. I think that's what I've got. Okay. Anything else from anyone? I'd like to ask for prayer for the Ross family. Um, just had a long talk with Holly and Riley yesterday. We'd really like the Lord to do some things in that family. All right. Anybody else? This is a little little different note, but I heard that um, the the winner of the French Open women's tennis tournament for the first time ever was a woman from Poland. And uh, so Eva, shout out to Poland for producing a French Open tennis winner. Um, <laughs> She's nine. She's also nineteen, so it's one of the youngest winners ever of the French Open. But uh, I just thought that was interesting since I know Eva is from Poland. <laughs> That's nice. Thank you. Yes, I heard about that too. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, That's great. One one other thing I I um, saw. I'm not on Facebook often, but I um, did happen to see that the Bueller's daughter Jessica, she and her husband are going to have a little boy. And also Antia, Magda and Peter's daughter, they are going to have a little boy. So two, two more little boys coming um, into the world. And those two families are very excited. I imagine. I'm sure they are. That's great. That's great. Well, why don't we um, close our time together with a prayer? And uh, I'm going to ask Carla if she would pray. To... Sure. Okay. Yeah. Would you pray? Uh-huh. Lord, we just thank you for, for these prayer requests. Lord, we know that you are in control of everything, Lord, and we trust you with our lives. We thank you for these new births. We pray that you be 
working in the Ross family, Lord, and for, um, Lord, we pray that you be with us at the football game, <laughs> Lord, as we do that, and uh, Lord, we just look forward to Eva coming. We pray, Father, for Mary's new place of worship, Lord, and that many scriptures would be represented in her rafters. And uh, Lord, we pray for Rita Wood and her melanoma and her surgery tomorrow that you would be there and for Susie and her husband, Bobby, Lord, as they walk through this difficult season. Lord, we thank you that we can bring to you every concern and Lord, that you care about every detail of our lives. And uh, we just pray that you would walk with us through this week and that you, we would see evidence of your um, of your um, presence in our lives and Lord that we would all raise up our Ebenezer in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you, Carla. We all enjoy the sunshine this week. The rain today, maybe, but sunshine the rest of the week. It's good to see everyone. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye, Miss Mary. Bye. Bye. Happy birthday again, Anastasia. Christian gone. <laughs>